being told about Jesus' invitation, that he loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, that if you pray a certain prayer, you will go to heaven when you die, that if you commit to following him, you won't have any more problems in your life. I don't know what you've been told, but if you like most, it was abbreviated or completely misrepresented. The real invitation is aggressive, it's bold, and it takes a healthy dose of God's power coupled with human effort. But it's also for now, not later, character transformation, not behaviour modification. you to attune your character to his, to possess a heart and life like his. Nobody is saying you can earn it. It'll take God's grace. Nobody is saying it'll be easy. It'll take hard work. But what if you really could attune your character to his, and in doing so, discover a whole new way of being human? If your life feels unmanageable, Jesus thinks he can help. Who are you becoming? What's the plan? Because here's what I know about us. First of all, I, I, I know enough of you to know that, that you, you wouldn't be here if you didn't sincerely care about your character. That that's one of the things, one of the ethoses of this place, one of the things we have in common. We may disagree even about who Jesus is, but, but this is a people, and it attracts a people who is conscientious about who you are about your character, about the kind of person you are, about the way you exist in your community, about the way you interact with employees and, and, and your employer and, and the way you walk the streets in your neighborhood. And I also know you know how to have a plan. Now, we, we watched through the Balance series, some of you work this brilliant strategy for getting out of debt. You know how to do it. Some of you own some really nice things, and it's not because you hit the lottery. It's because you have the ability to plan financially, and you've saved and you've set aside, and you've worked. You have degrees, you have careers. Not ones that you just showed up and knocked on the door and said, hey, I need a job, I'd like to be an architect. Hey, I need a job, I'd like to be an engineer. Hey, I need a job, I'd like to be a teacher. No, none of that. You worked for it. So here's my question. What's your plan? What's the recipe that you're working with regards to becoming a disciple? Now, if you know me, and you know the culture of this place, you know that... that that we're not ones, and I'm certainly not one, to go like, well, here it is. Like, if we all do A, B, C, and D, we'll all be disciples. In fact, I'll, I'll be the first to confess that one of our glaring weaknesses as a community and one of the things that we're continuing to strive to understand is, is how do we give people the resources to really be transformed, to really grow and mature in their faith, while at the same time not being so prescriptive that we become legalistic. I think that's a real struggle. And so... Uh, I recognize that, that, that we struggle with that. And part of what attracts me to, to the divine conspiracy and Dallas Willard's bent is he so simplifies it, I think, in a way that makes it really clear and yet allows it to be really, really personal. So he has something. I've, I've got to grab something back here. Uh, 
You know how some things, you work hard on them and they come out just how you hoped, and then sometimes you work hard on them and they don't come out at all how you hoped? Well, here would be exhibit B. Because um, that was supposed to be lime green. I, I, I don't know. It's nobody's fault from around here, just that apparently the printer was out of white, which I thought would have been convenient to know before you put ink to wooden platform. Anyway, ah, cynicism. So, Dallas Willard calls this what he, it's called the, the, uh, the golden triangle. I think it articulates quite well uh, the three areas uh, that determine growth. I know you can't read it because it's for a screen, so I'll read it to you. Uh, Holy Spirit slash grace, circumstances, and disciplines. Now, I just, this is going to feel more like a workshop than an inspiring message this morning, I think, but I just want to kind of articulate a few of these and then leave you with a challenge. Uh, the Holy Spirit piece, or, or what some would call the grace piece, those are really interchangeable terms, but it didn't feel artistic to put slash grace, so we just went with that. Uh, th- this is the realization that, that in some ways growth is outside of your control. Uh, that, that, that God has to do things, he has to orchestrate things, that things have to occur in your life, that, that when you look back, you didn't, you didn't plan for it, you didn't control it, it just happened. It's some of the crazy things that, that happen circumstantially. Sometimes it's even things like death. Uh, so, sometimes it's things like getting arrested. Sometimes it's things like not getting arrested. Uh, oftentimes where we see God's grace most evident showing up is in the people. I read someone this week that said that, and I thought, that makes a lot of sense, that, that God's uh, most glaring grace is in the people that we cross paths with at these strategic times in our life. I, I would use myself as an example. When I was 19 years old and was, had been attending a church for a couple years but wasn't really considering following Jesus uh, in terms I understand it now, some things happened in my life that, that were pretty traumatic for me. And, and it's ironic to me. I never thought of it like this until this week. But I picked up the phone and I called someone who in today's, at my estimation, was so incredibly unhealthy. Uh, no doubt in mind uh, that, that, that they were struggling with untreated alcoholism uh, and anger issues and all kinds of things. But, but I called him. He, he was in the family. There's kind of, there's been a divorce, so he's not in the family anymore. I'm trying to kind of be somewhat guarded in that. But um, I called him because I also knew this was a guy who knew pain. In fact, he had two brothers that were a year younger than him. Uh, they were twins. His senior year, the two twins were riding motorcycles together, and something happened, and one broadsided the other and, and killed his brother. A few years later, uh, he, he was on a lake. I, I believe it was Canyon Ferry. I, I don't remember for sure. And for reasons I don't understand, the, the tow rope, the, the, the water ski rope got behind his knees and he didn't know it and the guy hit the motor and pulled him into the motor and he lost his leg below the knee. So, so I called this guy because he was a guy that I, that I knew understood pain. And, and, you know, I mean, you know, when these things happen and you're just like, you want to wake up from a bad dream, that's what I was feeling at the time. And I just said, uh, John, what, what, what do I do? And I remember him saying, Adam, when life hurts this bad, all you can do is give it to God. That's all you can do. Now, it's hilarious to me because I, I think he was a, a, a fan of Jesus. But, but it's God's grace as I look at it because I go, that was such unlikely advice. And that's what I did. And, and I remember, and you, you've perhaps done this, I remember that was just my, my refrain throughout the night. Lord, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I guess I'm just supposed to give it to you. And the next morning I, uh, I, I went and I met with my aunt, who was the only other follower of Jesus in, in my life at the time that, that I knew well enough. And, and again, God's grace, uh, she had an appointment with a counselor at a church that morning, and she said, why don't you just take my appointment? 
I went to that meeting and sat with that guy, and, uh, and, and, and then he introduced me to the middle school pastor who kind of became a mentor to me for the next several months. I went back from that meeting, back to my grandpa's house, back where my aunt was. She said, Adam, there's another guy that I want you to meet. And we went for a block and a half walk to a guy named Fred's house, who if you're familiar with this place, I reference him all the time. He's a guy that would teach me everything I know about following Jesus, and I'd walk with him every other week for, I don't know, 13 or 14 years. That's the grace piece, Uh, that that there's things outside of your control, and oftentimes that's going to be God bringing people into your life it's the reminder that, that what separates Jesus from every other world religion, what separates Jesus from simple self-help, is the acknowledgement of our need for God's involvement, for the cross. That the cross and, and, and the blood was not just a theatrical performance, but that it really does do something in our hearts when we acknowledge it. That it really does uh, make God available to us in new and unique ways. So that's one piece. The other piece is circumstances. (laughs) Um, We're going to start a series on this in a a couple weeks, July 14th, called Surprised. It's really based upon the fact that my most glaring weakness in life is that I don't do well with the unexpected. Uh, But we're going to wrestle with the fact that we don't like them. And so uh, I'm not going to touch a lot on this. Let me ask you this. Um, How strong are your habits How big of a role do habits play in your life? Let me put it this way. Uh, tomorrow morning, does, what happens? Does the alarm go off or do you just wake up like with the birds? And when the alarm goes off, uh, what time is it set for? And, and, and do you hit snooze? And does your wife hit you when you hit snooze? <laughs> Mine does. Uh, do, how many times do you hit snooze? Uh, uh, and when you finally drag your carcass out of bed or off the couch or whatever it is that, wherever it is that you reside in the evenings, uh, what's the first thing you do? Do you head to the bathroom? Do you head to the kitchen? Do you head to the coffee pot? Do you make toast? Uh, do, do you go sit in front of the computer? Do you, do you go to the gym? Do you go to the basement and work out? I mean, when, when, when you finally get beyond the, like, okay, I'm out of bed, and the, what, what, what's the next thing you do? I, I would guess that a large percentage of you one of the first things you do is you grab your phone or you sit in front of your computer and you check email and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all your favorite websites and you you sit there and maybe eat your cereal. Okay, so anyway, so when you finally get to the food piece, uh, what do you eat? I mean, is this kind of like, ah, what do I feel like this morning? Or is it like cornflakes, oatmeal, eggs, Greek yogurt, pizza? Uh, Do you drink coffee? Or do you drink tea? Or do you drink water? Or milk? Or, I don't know, what other options do we have? Juice. Can't drink that, for I suffer from acid reflux. Uh, (laughs) My point is this, uh, and this really gets into these two. told you this was going to feel more workshop than sermon, sorry. Uh, We often think, and this is what Dallas Willard unpacks so brilliantly towards the end of the book, we often think that our conscious minds determine uh, what we do and why we do it. And that's true when things are going well. That's true when we're well-rested. 
That's true uh, w- when there's no stress, when things are going well in, at, at home and at work. And, and, and there are those few days a year where our conscious mind really drives everything we do. I, I had one of those on Friday. Uh, Lincoln was at camp all week, and, and Teresa was at band practice, and had to go to work. And so it was just going to be Chase and uh, Lincoln and I. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to hang out. And, and we had the best night uh, because I basically said, hey, guys, what do you want to do? And then when they said it, we just went and did it. And, and it, was, it was a blast. No conflict, no like butting of heads none of that. And then yesterday, it was kind of more the same where it was like a couple alpha males in the same car and kind of, you know, some, some of the parent stuff. And then, then this morning it hit me like, oh, well, that, that's easy. Uh, because I was just like, I was on my game on Friday. I was just chill, like kind of whatever. We think that our conscious mind d- determines what we do. I think, and really I'm agreeing with Dallas Willard, that mostly it's our habits, that mostly the way we treat people, that the way we interact with what we see in front of the mirror, that the way we think, uh, the, the way we drive, the way we spend money, most of the time it's on the subconscious level. Most of the time it's the reflection of a habit. And habits are hard to break. Don't think so? Uh, whatever it is you do tomorrow, do something different. Like whatever it is you normally do on Monday morning in your morning routine, like if you're a coffee drinker, I challenge you. Drink water until 10 a.m. If you're someone that, that sits in front of the computer within the first 30 minutes of being awake, I triple dog dare you. You text me. I'll bet you you cannot not check your email. That's a double negative, but you know what I'm trying to say. I'll, I'll bet you. You can't do it. Now, you might be able to do it just because you're, you're so competitive you want to prove me wrong, but I, I'll, I'll still take the challenge. Like, I'll give you a copy of The Divine Conspiracy if you do it. As if that's... Uh, It's our habits. So here's what Dallas Willard says. You want to change your character? Uh, You want to change who you are? You got to deal with the habit level. How do we do that? Uh, We have two things. We have our circumstances, and we have disciplines. Now, again, not going to talk a lot about circumstances other than to just take us to James. Listen to what James says. Uh, Wow. How was that for smooth... Uh, he says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What Dallas Wheeler says is most of us roll out of bed in the morning, praying a prayer something like, Jesus, make me like you. And then we step into our day and circumstances happen and we mostly hate them and mostly resent them and mostly justify our unchristlike behavior in the name of them, all the while praying a prayer that sounds something like, if I could just have the perfect circumstances, I could actually follow you, Jesus. What he points out is that your habits are your problem. And one of the ways that you can expose them and one of the ways you can break them is that you can capture circumstances as the real uh, gymnasium as the real opportunity to be transformed. Extraordinarily difficult. That's why we're going to dedicate a whole series to it starting July 14th. The third thing, and it's really where I want to drill down this morning, is on this issue of disciplines. Spiritual disciplines, uh, particularly if you come from a Bible church background, uh, spiritual disciplines all too easily become an end unto themselves. The question is, is reading your Bible holy? Is going to church an end unto itself? Is listening to Caleb 
a, a good thing. If you subscribe to, to what Willard suggests on spiritual disciplines, they're not. Any more than doing curls with a dumbbell is anything more than an exercise. That, that if you want to break your habits, if you want to change your habits, if you want to transform your character, your opportunities are circumstances and disciplines. Identifying bad habits and then going after them, not just with prayer, not just with scripture memorization, though that's a discipline, but with concerted effort to focus in on an area. Listen, if you were in a job and you were struggling in a particular area, wouldn't there suddenly become, and someone identified that and wanted to help you with that, they would actually begin to zero in on not the full eight hours, but that particular aspect of your job. They would dial it in. Part of what I think I find so convicting about professional athletics is the amount of time those guys will spend watching their own film and oftentimes, they're, like if you watch the NBA Finals this week, uh, all the rhetoric was LeBron James was able to lead them to victory in Game 7 because he knew coming into this season that his jump shot was suspect, and so that's the very thing that he worked on. So what did he do all offseason? He developed drills. He designed disciplines to, to, to really focus in on that one thing, the ability to hit a jump shot. That is what Willard argues is the value of discipline. In fact, uh, James kind of gets after this too. He says this, uh, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For apparently back in this day, it doesn't ever happen anymore. People were kicking the dirt going like, God, why do you have it out for me? For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted. Now listen to what he says. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, it gives birth to death. What is James saying to them? He's saying, listen, your problems are your own habits. Don't blame them on God. Don't blame them on other people. You are pre-programmed to do these things. And until you address them, it'll be more of the same. Proverbs says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool to his folly. So when it comes to what's the plan, Willard's suggestion is identify the weakness and then prescribe a discipline. Uh, Let me use myself as an example. Uh, It's become apparent to me in the last year or so that the internet was tremendously distracting to my train of thought. That, that at work or at home or whatever it is I was doing, it felt like there was this magnetic pull and no matter what I was doing, what I really wanted to do was stare at my computer screen and, and, it's, computer screen and, and look at my email and like just stare like a new email's coming any second now and uh, favorite websites and those types. Not, not even like unhealthy stuff. I wasn't struggling with anything of that unless you consider looking at Roto World for 20 hours a day and trying to see if the Broncos have done anything in the free agency market, uh, uh, an unhealthy thing. But... But there was this, this pull, and I began to recognize that my own train of thought was even being impacted by that, like my ability to concentrate and to think and to really connect with God. And then even when I was doing something as simple as playing catch with the boys in the front yard, what I was really doing was, was paying attention to my phone in my back pocket, and it was just, blah, I was just overwhelmed by that. So in reading Willard months ago for me and taking this idea, I went, okay, so I'm going to prescribe a discipline. And here's what I did. Uh, I said, in the morning when, when I get up, uh, I, I eventually end up in my office at home, 
and I'm going to try to spend either somewhere between a half an hour and an hour to, to reading into something, maybe my Bible, maybe a book, maybe writing, maybe praying. I mean, just kind of this cacophony of just trying to connect with God. And I'm not real rigid with how I do that, if I'm into a book or if I'm into a particular book of the Bible or, or whatever. What, what I decided was I'm going to do everything in my power. My discipline is for that hour, no phone. No like, oh yeah, I need to send that email. None of that. No like, oh yeah, we're going to be there at the end of the month and I want to go check out and see if these guys are in town. None of those rabbit trails. None of it. That, that at the very worst, I would sit there and stare at the wall and like go into hives and look like a recovering addict as I was shaking and quivering because I was not going to allow myself in that hour the time to take the rabbit trail. That's what we were talking about. Identify a weakness, prescribe a discipline with the hopes that as you lift the dumbbell, that strength actually translates to the rest of your life. In this case, with the hopes that the ability to concentrate for an hour would trickle into the rest of your life. Now, I'm not bragging, but uh, I, I do kind of have my own story of success in that regard. Like, I really buy into what Willard's saying because now, on most mornings when I get to the office, uh, I'm still not perfect at this, but, but I, I've gotten to the point where I put my phone on do not disturb which means the only person that can call me are the few people that I've put on my emergency call list, which means if you text me, my phone doesn't even make a noise. I, I, I check my email. I'm going to sound like such a type A, <laughs> which I'm not. Um, <laughs> I check my email at 11.30, from 11.30 to 12, and from 5 to 5.30. And I have less emails in my inbox today than I ever have in my life. I spend less time looking at email than I ever have less time responding to emails, less stressed by it. This is kind of what Willard's getting at. And, and obviously the end result is when I'm with my family, when I'm trying to process and pray and think, I'm, I'm all the more uh, just dialed in. Does this make any sense? Helpful? It kind of it moves the, like, how do we grow from this, like, hyper-spiritual, like, Jesus, you've got to have to do something miraculous. I remember being a new believer and, and, like praying, God, take away my anger. And sometimes he does that, doesn't he? Sometimes he just miraculously does things. But is it the norm? I mean, look at Israel. Israel coming out of Egypt. They were pathetic. Why? Because they had 400 years of bad habits. And it's really easy to point a finger at Israel and go, how do you not trust God? But that was the process of God going, I've got to reform who you are. Listen, I think it's possible to lose sight of the supernatural Holy Spirit grace component. It is. It's also possible to think about becoming a disciple the way some of us thought about being a professional athlete when we were seven years old. And as long as we like played for the YMCA and occasionally watch something on TV, and maybe even played catch once a week with our dad, that we could get there. So my challenge is, uh, what's the strategy? So, so here, here's my challenge to you. If you have a phone, a smartphone, I, I'm going to challenge you to pull it out. Pull it out of your pocket. Or if, if you have a day timer, maybe you still have a paper day timer, pull that out. And if you don't have one of those, grab your slab of stone and get your chisel. And, <laughs> and, and we're going to... Uh, here's ultimately my challenge to you, is this week, uh, 
that you would identify one bad habit, like, like one area where, where Christ's character needs to show up in your life, one, one, one place where you know God uh, wants to work on a weakness, and then prescribe a discipline. And so what I want you to do on your phone is I want you to go to sometime this week, maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday. I'm not going to be overly controlling there. And you don't have to do any of this, though it's nice if you stare at your phone so I feel like you are. Um, and, and just create a reminder. Uh, just create a reminder this week. To, just to remind yourself, like, hey, have, have identified a habit and created a discipline. Just something that's going to pop up on your phone this week and say, like, did you do it? And then... I want to challenge you to do one other thing, and that is to, to go towards the end of July. I think the last Friday in July is the 26th. And to create another reminder that, that just challenges you to, to revisit discipline, uh, to revisit the one that you created, and maybe to identify another one. See, what a guy who makes the NFL, what, what he understands from a very early age is it's going to be as a result of intentional energy. Maybe freak of nature, but mostly intentional energy. My, my challenge to you is, if, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to be a, discipler, uh, a disciple, many of the things you're doing are good things. But how intentional are you willing to be? And maybe you're here this morning, and, and you're not at all a disciple of Jesus. You're not at all a follower of Jesus. Uh, I wonder... I wonder if it has mostly to do with the fact that, that you have enough discouraging things in your life. And you're not going to sign up for another system that promises that it can change and transform you only to see it not deliver. And I wonder if your hesitation is you've watched people claim to follow Jesus and have it translate to nothing. And you know what? In some ways your observation is correct because people like me are all too guilty of assuming that if we just want it, will become it. Uh, one, of the, one of the refrains of a guy who trained me how to do youth ministry stuff, he used to say, Adam, everybody grows old, not everyone grows up. For more information on Narrate Church, visit www.narratechurch.org or download the mobile app, now available for iPhone and Android.